Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yeah, now you got me thinking about this uh, Denzel thing. (laughs) (laughs) My man, yep. Every movie I think I've heard him do. Well, yeah, I was thinking about when he was in, um, he probably definitely had to use it then when he was in um, the first part of uh, Malcolm X. Oh, yes. And I know he used it in Spike Lee's movies. And I definitely know he used it in training days. My daughter. Well, you know what? He didn't use it in because he was so damn quiet. Well, maybe he didn't. That's because they got uh, shot by last, the Russians. <laughs> the, the last negotiator. What was that movie? Um, yeah. What was it? Not negotiator, but what was that movie he did, man? He was killing Equalizer. Oh, I just saw that the other day. There's there's another one after it, Equalizer 2. Yeah, and both of them are filmed in Boston. And both of them are violent. <laughs> oh, God, yes, they are. Man, he's... Yeah, all right, he all right let's go. we're going to go. We're going to okay. go. The hell with the okay. hell with whether or not you can see me. Don't worry about it. Okay. All right, in three, two, one. Hi, everybody. We're going to take a, a bite of the Big Apple and also talk to Cedric Maxwell, broadcaster now for the Boston Celtics, longtime NBA player with the Celtics primarily. Uh, you were also with the Clippers and Clippers in Houston. And Houston. Of all three locations, Boston's still your favorite? Uh, I would have said Houston would still would be my favorite if you told me I had to live in the city. I just something about the traffic here, the cold weather here. Houston probably would have been my favorite. LA was just too big. Houston, if I had one place to stay, Houston, Houston Rockets, I love that area. You know what's interesting? Houston is like a mini LA when you drive on the highways there. Oh yeah. Everything oh, yeah. is far apart. Oh yeah. Houston, Houston takes a while. It, it, but you know, same same distance in, in, in Boston and New York. You know, you can be close, but you can still be far away. In oh, the sense of, of traffic. That's true. All so, right. you know, it some places you just can't beat. Last night, Celtics played in Madison Square Garden against the Knicks. Knicks beat them for the second straight time. And what's interesting to note is that here the Celtics were until last night, the team with the best record in the East, team with the best record in the NBA. But they've now fallen a half a game behind Milwaukee. But what is it about this Knicks team? They have caught fire. Uh, I'm going to start with the acquisition of Jalen Brunson. He's been, He didn't play particularly big last night, but he's been the straw that stirred the drink now with the Knicks. Randall has gotten back to where he was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emmanuel quickly has, has given tremendous uh, energy off the bench. 
Uh, you know, you got R.J. Barrett. Uh, you know, Hartenstein has really contributed. Now they got Robinson back. This team all of a sudden is becoming very dangerous. Yeah, they have they have a lot of different pieces. And the Knicks, for as long as you've known it, has been in a, a situation where they've gone out and got, you know, a free agent, a guy who came in and nothing really worked as well. You know, I love Amari Staramati when they got him, but it didn't work as well for him. Uh, Carmelo, not a bad experiment being there. You know, he had the crowd going, but Brunson, he is quiet. He is, um, he's just that, he's that leader. I think that they've missed for a long time. Uh, you know, he gets things done. He, he's efficient. He plays his ass off. He's going to battle you too, for nail on both ends of the floor. And because of that, I think the Knicks, you know, they've always, the Knicks fans have always been drawn to that, uh, you know, lunch pail type guy uh, who will come in. You know, you think about going back to the days when, you know, the great senator was around there, Bill Bradley. And, you know, he was a lunch pail type guy, Dave the Busher. Uh, Willis Reed, all these guys, you know, went out, had a bag lunch, and, and, and they went and played. And I think Brunson uh, is stereotypical of, of that example of lunch pail guy. Let's talk about the Celtics. The addition of Malcolm Brogdon, uh, has he fit in? Oh, like a glove. Uh, you know, he is, um, he's, a, he's a great shooter. Great shooter. He penetrates. Uh, he will, he's not afraid of the moment. Uh, very intelligent, but I think he's put all those things aside and put, not to say he hadn't done it before, but it looks like more team first. Like this is Brown and this is Tatum's team. And I'm here to, to field in the gap. And I think that this team is looking at one way and one way only, and they are championship driven. We had a chance to uh, talk to him after a game. And he said, you know, this is what we're doing. We are championship driven. And a lot of teams don't, you know, they don't say that. They say, look, we're, we're playoff driven. We hope we get to the playoffs. This team feels a whole nother way. Uh, you always been high on Robert Williams from the first day he came on board. Mm -hmm. uh, what have you noticed about him? Uh, has he taken his game to another level in your opinion? Uh, I think that he's going to have to take his game to another level. And I mean, on the offensive end, just being a lot more aggressive there. Uh, you know, he can block shots. You know he can rebound. Uh, he affects you on that way. But when he starts to affect you offensively, I think that's when they are at their best. And a lot of times I think about when he's at his best, when he has Marcus Smart uh, being a facilitator around the rim. Uh, had a good, uh, lively discussion uh, back and forth with Mark Jackson about Marcus Smart. Uh, Mark Jackson, ESPN, you know, does the games. Uh, with Jeff Van Gundy and we happened to be in Philadelphia and I was at a shoe store and who walks in Mark Jackson <laughs> and we've talked about the same issue over and over again I said Marcus Smart at six foot five may be the best defensive player under seven feet the Celtics have ever had and Mark Jackson goes at me he says well you know no Dennis Johnson Dennis Johnson he said uh, you know I played against Dennis I said I played with him I just believe more in Marcus, what he's able to do. So in the store, we talked about it. Then we walked out and I walked to another store and he came in there. 
well, I don't know if he was following me or not. And I brought up the conversation again. He says, well, I said, you know what? How about Marcus Smart is defensive player of the year? And he said, well, Dennis Johnson will put those hands on you. I said, what would have happened if Marcus Smart is able to put his hands on you? And I bought Marcus Smart, saw him in the, at the Philly game in front of Van Gundy, in front of, and then just took him over to Mark Jackson and said, and Mark said, oh, oh man, and, uh, and Marcus, I got big respect for you. <laughs> but Marcus said, hey, I would be a much better defender if I could defend the way those guys did during the 80s and the 70s by using my hands. The thing I like about Marcus Smart, uh, he's a bulldog. I mean, he comes at you, and you know he's playing in, in, in an intense way. Uh, I, I like the way he plays. Uh, he's You could fill a whole roster full of guys like that. Everybody would be the hell scared of you. Yeah, yeah. He's um, he is he's that pit bull. He gets a hold of you, and he's not letting go. And he's not afraid to be physical. Almost every game you see the Celtics get into some kind of kibosh, it's Marcus Smart is normally in the middle going through a pig, under a pig, uh, you know, taking a charge. He is that physical presence that the Celtics have. And and you're saying that I totally believe that I wish Brown or Tatum were more physical like that on the defensive end. This team would be better because you take you you take your cues from your best players. And Marcus Smart definitely does what he does. But I love for Jalen Brown and Tatum to be a little bit more assertive on the defensive end. They're great players, no doubt, but a little bit more assertive. I think the team will follow that lead and they'd be that much better. He's uh former Celtic great Cedric Maxwell, Cornbread as he's known to a lot of people. Where did you get that nickname by, by the way? It came from a movie called Cornbread Earl and Me that was in the 70s. Remember. And um, your guy, uh, Jamal Wilkes, portrayed a basketball player in it. I had the same body type as, as Jamal back in the day. And um, some friends of mine went and saw the movie, uh, uh, and we were playing in the NIT uh, postseason when the NIT had all those teams in it. And uh, they used to call me, my teammates used to tease me, call me the franchise. <laughs> and then one day, one of them was saying, yeah, cornbread. And this reporter heard it. And then it went from there. Larry Fishburne played in that movie. I happened to talk to him about um, eight years ago, just walking down the street of Boston, I think he was there for a movie and explained who I was. And he said, man, in Cornbread Earl and me, I was five years old when he did that movie. So it was just kind of crazy to talk to him. Yeah, that's 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 good. You guys remember you won the NIT that year, didn't you? We uh, didn't win it. We uh, lost to Kentucky in the finals. Uh -huh. In the finals, uh, I was actually on a losing team. I guess it's how well I played on the losing team. I was the most valuable player of the tournament. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Jason Tatum. Mm -hmm. Had a poor shooting night last night. Six of 18, one of nine from three, 14 points. Gets ejected. And to be fair, I watched that game last night. He was right in his criticism of the officiating. Uh, I realize you can't do that because you're going to wind up happening to you what happened to him last night. He got ejected. but. He was fouled. Both mm -hmm. times that he complained, he clearly was fouled, particularly on the three-point shot. Yo, definitely. He got fouled on the three-point shot. He got fouled the first time he said he was going towards the rim. He got pushed in the back by Hardenstein. Yeah, 
But what is that going to get you? A bag of donuts. Mm. I mean, you you need his presence out there at the end of a basketball game, and you didn't have it. I'm sure if you had to do it all over again, you want to have more of a clear head. Uh, you push the officials to a point. But when you get tossed out of the game, you can do nothing but sit in the back and watch the TV and throw stuff at the TV uh, <laughs> complaining. Uh, so I think the Celtics would have loved to have had him to at least finish that game. Uh, Jalen Brown, what is his status? Really, I don't know. They said it was a uh, a personal a personal day, uh, and you know it's it's different now. How when you and I knew all these things, a personal day back in when you and I played, somebody was going to see somebody's baby mama, or this might happen, or that. Those things, I, everybody gets a personal day in the NBA now, uh, and they don't give you a reason why. And hopefully, he'll ba- be back for the next game. All right, looking ahead, you've got the Nets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Cleveland first, right? Tomorrow, yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland coming in, yeah. and then we got the Nets uh, on a Friday, and then we turn around, and 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 pretty soon we're going to go on a a long extended road trip at the in the middle of March, from uh, I think the tenth of March through the twenty first of March. We're going to be on the road with Atlanta and Portland. And, you know, your guy Dame Lillard up there, who you and I both <laughs> both love. But, man, he's he's stuck in purgatory. He's, he's, he's never going to – he's going to be one of the greatest players never to get to the finals, nor, nor less, you know, the uh, – um, you know, I don't think he might not get that far with the team. I mean, he's a great player, but he's, he's just in a bad situation for him. You wonder why uh, a guy of his talent, uh, knowing it's a dead end street in Portland, why he wouldn't ask to be traded? Well, you know, some people, some players have that loyalty where they want to stay, and they want to they want to see it through, and he can be commended for that. Uh, you know, I, I happen to love him. I think he's an exceptional. He's one yep. of the greatest point guards we've seen in, in in the NBA when it comes to scoring, and you know, his range has been unlimited. He might be one of those guys, along with Steph Curry, that might change the game yet again. And maybe in the worst way, they might be shooting four-point shots because where he's shooting from now, Howard, they're, they're almost these are these are legitimate shots that are two feet away from the, the uh, half-court line. Really? Uh, let me ask you about you. We started talking about the schedule. You got the Nets twice. Uh, you got Cleveland, you got uh, a return match with the Knicks in Boston coming up, I think in about four games. And then uh, you got Portland in Boston and you got Portland on the road. 19 games left. Uh, you look at the Celtic team versus Milwaukee and Milwaukee, hottest team in the league right now. They won 13 in a row. Mm-hmm. How do you like that matchup? Well, here's the, here you give me this variable and, and I'll be able to tell you what's going on with Giannis. Because yeah. this is sitting out some games because of an ailing knee. And you and I know one thing, your knee does not get better during this regular season and in the postseason. It's only going to ag- be aggravated that much more. So if his health concerns would be the biggest thing, I think would be the difference between the Celtics and Milwaukee winning a game. Give me a reason why it's not Milwaukee and Boston in the Eastern finals? I really can't. I can't give you a reason. 
you know, the Knicks are playing well, but I don't think that they're on that level. Uh, I've seen Philadelphia up close and personal. I think they still have a lot of issues right now with their bench. Their starting five is good, but their bench play uh, is, isn't where it needs to be. Um, so I, I don't, I don't particularly know if they're going to be that much, you know, though, what other teams right now I see competing. I, I don't see any other teams competing right now other than those two teams. Not unless, Cleveland. Not, unless not somebody Cleveland. just gets knocked off, which sometimes happens. What about Cleveland? Uh, Cleveland, I still believe they're still too young. I mean, I like their starting five. Their bench is a little suspect, but I love their starting five. Donovan Mitchell is a stud. Uh, Garland plays well. They have two big defenders uh, around the rim in, in Allen and Mobley. Uh, but I still believe that they're a couple of years away when I start thinking about their youth and inexperience. He's Cornbread Maxwell, broadcaster now for the Boston Celtics, my old partner in Boston. Uh, I don't think, and I've told this to a lot of people, I don't think I've ever enjoyed uh, broadcasting sports with anybody more than I enjoyed working with you because not I, you obviously know the game, but and and I guess the 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 epitome of why it was fun working with you one night in Cleveland. This is I, I'm guessing it's Paul Pierce's rookie year, <laughs> and we're sitting high above um, <laughs> at the second tier. Yeah, and, and Paul goes one against three, and I said, Max, I don't know about that shot. You might want to talk to your guy. He said, I'll tell him now. And you stood up and said, hey, Paul, why would you take such a stupid shot? <laughs> Max, I was done. <laughs> Howard, you and I had so many moments. There was a moment that I, I always go back to. Anytime I go to Sandy, uh, San Antonio, uh, it was uh, me. And politically, wasn't correct, but we're going to say it anyway. There were some, uh, it was, they were doing, we were doing a pregame and they had a, um, must've been a Zumba convention. And uh, they brought these women out here who probably shouldn't have been in leotards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, no, they, they shouldn't have been in the charros that, you know, that, that, that um, uh, um, your guy likes to talk about how they eat them in San Antonio like that. Uh, Charles Barkley. Maybe they had too many of those, but man, these were these were big ones, and you could not stop laughing. I remember that just like yesterday. And our guy Howie Sylvester, our engineer, he was so upset at both of us, but he wasn't there. He could he couldn't see what we saw, and you know you 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 were just in. And the thing about you, Howie, was when you start laughing. That's it. You're done. You're done for a minute. It's not going to be like, hey, I'm going to get this thing this back on because it takes a little bit for you to get the giggles. And when you get the giggles, you're like me. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, LeBron James. Uh, words out that he could miss uh, uh, several weeks, if not the rest of the regular season. Uh, I just can't see the Lakers making even the play in without him. Dude, stick a fork in him. If right now, if he's not back, and I know how James Worthy likes to get on it, I'll probably do something with Michael Cooper pretty soon here. Um, uh, some Zoom thing with him. James Worthy loves to get on. Uh, Michael Thompson loves to talk about the Lakers. But even as ardent as they are about that particular team, without LeBron James, uh, it, 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 
I would think it would be impossible. Now, can things happen? Does Anthony Davis step up to, to be who he is? Uh, you know, possibly who he is, one of the top players in this league. Is he? The, can he do that for, you know, three or four weeks? So I, I think it's going to be very, very difficult right now for the Lakers even to make a play in. Hey, you talk about Anthony Davis shouldering a bigger load. And you know what happens, Anthony Davis has got a career full of injuries. I could see him breaking down, you know? Charles Barkley, best name you ever gave him, street clothes. Uh, <laughs> because he's always, always at the game in street clothes. I, I love that nickname. <laughs> well, I uh, the way I look at the NBA right now, it's got to be Milwaukee, Boston in the East. It's got to be, you think, Denver in the West. Uh, the question is, against who? Well, there's, it does go. You, you look at this year, and you just talk about the injuries. Uh, does Golden State can they get healthy enough? Uh, the Clippers up and down are are they are they contenders or pretenders? Uh, you know, they get Westbrook, but I think their guard play is something that's going to be a detriment to them. Uh, they got rid of Reggie Jackson. They sent him sent him away. Uh, you know, they just didn't didn't believe in. Uh, and some of the guards they had. And, and so it's, I, I, I'm like looking at Denver and Denver, you're saying it's wide open, but there's something about Denver that you just don't believe in at the end of a, uh, uh, a season. I just, they just get to be suspect. What about Phoenix with Kevin Durant? Now, now that's the team that could be really interesting. Uh, you get Kevin Durant and if he's up to full speed, that might be that that's the team right now that would scare me out of the West more than anybody, because uh, you have, you know, you have a couple of guys who are juggernaut scoring. They didn't lose as much when they got him. Uh, Bridges was a, a very good player, but you were still able to keep DeAndre Aiden. You were able to keep Chris Paul and you have, you were able to keep Devin Booker. So if you keep those guys alone right there, I mean, their, their bench has been gutted. But those four guys together, if they play at an efficient mm -hmm. rate, man, they can make some. They can they can create some problems. Max, we don't have enough time to talk about the barbershop in Atlanta, but that's one of the funniest days I ever spent with you. <laughs> I, I know Howard. You just <laughs> took Howard to a took Howard to a black barbershop, man, <laughs> and Howard sat over there with me. He wasn't even getting a haircut, and. All I could see was they were telling, they were talking so much junk. Howard actually put the paper up to his face, and all you could see was the, the paper just rattling back. That's true. I knew That's he was true. crying over there, listening to some of the stories. I always told people, I said, the day I knew that Larry Bird had crossed over to me was the day I went to a black barbershop. They always have a picture of Malcolm X. Martin Luther King, and then the first supper with Jesus. And then there was a picture of Larry Bird. I was like, damn, he done crossed over. So yeah, that was that was one of those moments, those black barbershops. Always good talking to you, my man. You stay safe. All right, guys, have a good one. Yeah, he's Cedric Maxwell, currently broadcaster for the Boston Celtics. He starred there for the Boston Celtics. Uh, had the uh, responsibility. I remember in the finals one year against the LA Lakers, uh, where he guarded Magic Johnson uh, and did a hell of a job on him. As we change gears now, we go to New York. We bring in Otis Livingston, the sports director of uh, Channel 2 in New York. Hello, Otis. How are you? Why am I not hearing you? 
something you could switch over there on your side? Yeah, it should be on. There you go. Now I got you. We good? Uh, yeah, very good. Okay. All right. I'm going to ask you the same question. Right. Cedric Maxwell and I were partners for about five years in Boston during the infamous Rick Pitino era. <laughs> and so I said to him just a little while ago, I said, what are the three things you hear in every Denzel Washington movie? I'll ask you the same question. What? The same three things? Same three phrases. Oh, phrases? Yeah. In every movie? Yeah, pretty much. He'll say, once he'll say, my man. Okay. That's one. Yeah, that's yeah. one. <laughs> and then the other one is, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I've never noticed that, but okay. Yeah. Yep, yeah. I, I can't think of the other one right now off the top of my head. <laughs> Otis, I got to tell you, I've been in this business a long time. I have never worked with a guy that I laughed from the minute we put the mic on to the minute we went off the air. That never enjoyed it more than Maxwell Cedric. Uh, I'm, he said, I'll, I'll repeat what I brought up with him a little while ago. Paul Pierce's rookie year. And we're playing in Cleveland, and the broadcast position was above the first level. Mm -hmm. Great view of the court. And he goes one against three against somebody. And I said, Max, you better talk to your guy. That's not a recommended shot. He goes, I'll tell him now. He stands up, takes his headphones off, and screams at Paul from the second tier. Hey, Paul, why'd you take such a stupid shot? <laughs> that is a guy who has <laughs> firm footing in a broadcast in an organization who uh, <laughs> definitely knows his place. Uh, that he can do something like that because I'm not sure any other person in America would be able to get away with that. But uh, no. Cedric Maxwell certainly was beloved by that organization, did some great things, won championships. So uh, he deserved that great player and uh, an outstanding personality uh, from what you tell me. Yeah, well, he, uh, he you might have heard him at the end. He was talking about this black barber shop in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And we used to, after, like after shoot around, we would, he'd go get his hair cut. And down the street from that barbershop is a place called Friedman's. It's a very well-known shoe store. Mm -hmm. It's like five levels up and all the players and coaches go there. Prices are right. The players would go there. They get skins made into shoes. Okay. Uh, we, that was four or 500 a pair. I cool. can't hear that. <laughs> so we go to this barbershop and I sit along the row in, you know, away from the chairs, but facing the chairs. And I got the Atlanta Constitution. I'm reading the paper. And then you thought you were coming to America. <laughs> this was, I mean, you everything you heard in that movie was yeah. in that barbershop. Right. And I, I got the paper over my face because I don't want them seeing me laugh. <laughs> Mama, <laughs> but, <laughs> Mama call him Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. <laughs> it was, Otis, it was hysterical. I got to yeah, tell I you. I mean, uh, I started growing a beard just so I could start going back to the barbershop again. <laughs> Seriously, because I miss that kind of camaraderie. You know, my sons, I would take them here in Linden to the barbershop and stuff like that. And I just remember when I was growing up, just how much um, fun it used to be interacting with, at that time, older men. Now I am the older man, but, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I, I certainly miss that. And like I said, I started growing a, a beard to go back, you know, and I, and I actually have the barber um, through the pandemic who's doing it from his house. So I go there and we just have a good time for, you know, hour or so. Uh, once every couple of weeks. All right, we can't go any further. <laughs> Congratulations, Grandpa. <sighs> Incredible <laughs> feeling, man. It's uh, it's been amazing. It's hard. I, I mean, every morning that's kind of like the first thing that I wake up to is thinking about 
I'm a grandfather. My <laughs> daughter, my baby had a baby. Because <laughs> that's certainly the way it feels, you know, like just, it seemed like just yesterday I was, you know, burping her, ch- changing her diaper, uh, you know, taking her for drive so, so that she can get to sleep in my Volkswagen bug. Um, and now, you know, I'm, I'm holding her son. So uh, we're really happy about it. She's doing great. My my grandson's doing great. And of course, giving credit to the father as well, because sometimes we get left out in the mix. You know how it is, Howard. You know, it's more mainly the mother and the child, but the father has a role in that too. So, well, a uh, shout out. having experienced it four times, uh, it's it's a gratifying feeling. But the best part of it, as your grandson gets older, uh, it's going to be you're going to walk in there and you're going to see your grandson and you get a chance to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard that so many times, but how am I going to be honest with you, man? I'm a softy, man. I may not want to leave. <laughs> I may not want to give them back. Uh, good for you. That's uh, Congratulations to you and your wife, Nikki. That's, uh, that's tremendous. Thank you so much, man. Last night, uh, the Madison Square Garden, uh, the mecca of basketball, saw the Celtics come in and get whipped. Now, mm-hmm. to be fair, Celtics didn't have Jalen Brown uh, and they didn't have uh, Jason Tatum after a while because yeah. he got thrown out of the game. But I don't think it would have mattered because the, the Knicks played at a very high level last night. And look, I thought when they got J- uh, Jalen Brunson, it showed their desperation to get a point guard. They obviously yeah. got the right guy because he has lit it up since coming to New York. Yeah. Um, and I think we talked about it before um, going into the season. I think we had a conversation and and I told you I, I wasn't sold on this situation. I thought it was a a, a pickup that was uh, brought about by the relationships, mm-hmm. the father on the staff, the Leon Rose being the uh, agent for the father when he, he was playing, the son of Leon Rose being uh, Jalen Brunson, you know, and I know those big money deals aren't made solely because of that, but I thought that that was a huge part of it, that relationship. And as it turns out, that's true. And that's good. He just so happens to be worth it. You know, I thought that he was also going to be a product of Luca. Uh, some knockdown shooters, um, which I didn't think that the Knicks had those that would complement his game. But he's getting buckets. He's creating for other people. He's brought that level of excitement. And now that his buddy Josh Hart is here, he is taking that level of excitement even to another level, you know, and, and people are believing quickly coming off the bench, playing the way that he has Julius Randle, you know, being a guy who has uh, taken on to his role. He has deferred. We see every once in a while that he tries to go off on his own and things like that, but that's just his game. He's a pro too. He wants to get buckets as well. But for the most part, I feel like he has taken to that role of, deferring to Jalen Brunson and letting him do his thing and doing his thing on the side. You know what I mean? And that's, that was the, probably the biggest knock against Julius Randle in the past was that he was just trying to do too much on his own. And it, it would run down to the last couple seconds of the shot clock and he'd jack up a crazy shot or something like that. When Jalen Brunson is, he's, he's solid, man. He's just a solid point guard. He had a legitimate case for being an all-star this year. Yes, um, A lot of people think that he should have been, you know, but he played all-star level. And since the new year, he's been playing at an even higher level than that. And then you throw in, uh, uh, the, look, uh, Julius Randle, uh, last year was a rough year for him. He spent more time bitching at the referees than he did playing basketball. Yeah, uh, You know, and Tom Thibodeau could be tarred with that same brush. You know, get off the officials. Uh, it, it's enough. But last night, his Jason Tatum got on the officials. Now, to be fair, both times he complained, he was right. 
Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. It's how the official sees it. So he gets ejected from the game. That just uh, put a stamp on the game. But with that win last night, they move ahead of the Nets into the fifth spot in the East. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Nick fans, as well as I do better. Uh, You know, they're going to start championship. Here we go. (laughs) Uh, Hold off now. Let's slow down. Pump the brakes. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I feel like most most of them are are, re, are realist, though. I think that they while they may say that or, or or dream about that, I think they're realists to know that the teams at the top are, you know, Boston, who they beat. And like you said, no Jalen Brown um, and, a, and a short night for uh, Jason Tatum, which, which the game was probably pretty much decided. But yeah. you're going to get them on a, you know, in a, in a seven game series they're probably the better team. Um, Milwaukee, Miami, Cleveland, you know, all the teams that are ahead of them, you know what I mean? They, they, they realize that it's going to be a tough road, but the thing that I'm impressed with is that they were able to take care of business and didn't let one get away because that you've seen that happen too. a a team that's better than you. That's down a few, a couple players or not having the same impact that they normally do. And you should win that game and have it in your pocket and you blow it. And that's when you kick yourself at the end of the season and realize you could have been a a different seating or, or something like that, or just have positive vibrations because now they've beaten them two times in a row. Right. By, By three, about a month ago in Boston. And now this one last night. So they took care of business they made a statement. I feel like they're going here and the Nets are going here. It's, uh, you know, especially as much of a headache as Kyrie was, as much uh, injury prone that Kevin Durant was, those are two stars that when they're right, they're going to be able to carry you a lot of those games. So we'll see what the Nets end up doing. I think they have a, a deeper team now with those trades. Right. Um, but not as, you know, like like who's that killer at the last minute? Who's that la- that guy that's going to get it done like a like a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie Irving? Well, the Knicks got a nice production from Emmanuel quickly last night, uh who's a high energy guy, mm-hmm. uh, can also stick it from 3. Yeah. Uh, so now you got Randall who can shoot the 3, quickly who can shoot the 3, Brunson who can shoot the 3. I mean, you've got an array of shooters uh, do they have enough to, to get out of the East? I don't think so. Uh, but they're going to be a problem for a lot of teams go into the postseason. I agree. I agree. And they're, and they're building confidence. That's that's one of those things, you know, because, I mean, they, they have some young players on the team. You know, they have some guys that are that are making their way in the league. I think that addition of Josh Hart was huge. Yeah. I said on the air when they made that that pick that I mean, that that uh, trade that it was going to be huge and that he would become one of the the fans favorite players immediately. And it's lived up to that. Just his hustle plays. You know, there was a play last night where he got after a loose ball on the Knicks end, rebound, tapped it out, worked his way on the baseline, got free, quickly drove, penetrate, drive, dish, gave it to him. He hit a three. I mean, that, that type of uh, energy and output, that performance, if, if they can get R.J. Barrett to do those sort of things on a regular basis, then he will live up to that uh, lofty uh, draft pick that he was. That A lot of people, they're just uh, wondering about the uneven performances. You know what I mean? And, and I feel like a guy like uh, Josh Hart, Emmanuel Quickly, they have con- con- uh, 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 contagious energy. You know, you might want to go out there and make a play, you know, things like that. So uh, that, that kind of stuff rubs off on players. And and hopefully, you know, everybody's feeding into that. 
taking a bite of the Big Apple with Otis Livingston, the sports anchor of Channel 2 in New York. Which is the bigger story, what the Knicks are doing or what the Jets are trying to do and getting a quarterback? What's the bigger story? Um, I'm going to go with the Jets, man. I really am because I think Mm. the Knicks. I think the Knicks are kind of who they are. You know what I mean? I don't think um, anyone was really predicting the highs, like 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 they're going to be a top what four seed or a, or one of the top two seeds in the Eastern Conference. I don't think people were were predicting that. So it is good what they're doing, um, but I think the Jets because I think most people agree that quarterback was the reason that they did not make the playoffs quarterback was the reason that they didn't make the playoffs and make some noise in the playoffs and if you can get one of the all-time greats um just a couple years ago mvp um a guy that can take you to the promised land and they have the weapons i mean they have guys on the offensive side of the football they have a a pretty good defense and i gotta be in my mind i think that that defense wore down because they were on the field so much i think psychologically knowing that you didn't have an offense that was going to give you time to rest kind of wore on them at the end of the year, you know, and now they start breaking down and now they give up big plays. And now people think the defense is good, but I think that the, when they were at their best, they were playing complimentary football where the offense was taking care of the ball, sustaining drives, scoring at the end of those drives, defense fresh out there. They can pin their ears back. Now they can do what they do. Special teams get the punt return, put them in good position. All that stuff was working out. And obviously that's the perfect scenario for any football team. But if we're talking about the Jets in particular, they need a quarterback. They need somebody like that. I mean, people are talking about uh, uh, Derek Carr being the answer, you know, and I don't know if he's that good, but that just tells you how the rest of the team is formulated, that if they can just get someone who's capable, not just Aaron Rodgers, but just someone who's capable to run an offense, uh, to sustain drives and do those things and make some simple throws at time because Zach Wilson didn't wasn't even able to do that at times, uh, which wore down the team. Sure. So I think I think the fact that they're trying to become a Super Bowl contender, something that this uh, town has not had in uh, so, you know, that that since. Joe Namath, I mean, since, you know, Joe Namath won one, but since Rex Ryan, you know, with the back to back yeah. AFC championship game. So I think that's the bigger story. I know it's a ways off. So football is kind of in, in the back of everybody's mind and basketball is right here. But if you want to look at it realistically, I think that's the bigger story. The way I understand it, the Jets are going to be meeting again today with Derek Carr at the Combine in Indianapolis. Um, personal preference, just an opinion. I don't think they should let him out of the room. I mm, think what the, okay. they need to do, they need to lock this guy up. And it's not a question of who's better, Rodgers or Carr. I think Rodgers, uh, are you going to have more than a year? You, you don't exactly. really know. Exactly. You know, and exactly. with Carr, he's 31 years old. Maybe you can get six, seven, eight years out of this guy. Yeah, uh, so, you know, why not put all your eggs in this basket? Uh, and I'm not downplaying Rodgers. Something's happened to him. Yeah. I, I don't know yeah. what it is, but yeah. – I mean, I don't even know if he's got all the marbles in the same room. I, I agree. I agree. I, I, I was uh, trying to check around to see if Kyrie Irving was in that uh, isolation <laughs> uh, room with him because it sounds like something that he would do But uh, right in the middle of the season. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, I think there's something going on there. I mean, and, and, and I believe with Carr, 
yeah, with car, you don't have to give up any assets either. Right. You know, so yeah, uh, longevity, uh, uh, Rogers, like you said, he's, he's, he's weird. It seems, you know what I mean? Is, are, are you going to put all your eggs in, in that basket and let Derek Carr get away, sign with someone else? And then you miss out on Rogers too. I mean, so I agree. If you believe that he can upgrade that quarterback position and get you to a spot where you feel like you're a playoff contender, not only a playoff contender, but a deep in the playoff contender. And you have Derek Carr and you offer him what you feel is a, 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 uh, a worthy contract uh, to get him. Yeah. You, you can't let him out the room. You gotta, you gotta go for it and, and, and lock him up now start getting people around him because I know that he wants to be, I read somewhere that he wants to be one of those, like a pie piper that's going to be able to draw other people in. So why not get that started right now that he can start communicating, getting some people that he's comfortable with that can help the organization as well. Yeah. So you look at the rest of the offensive alignment, you've got a very good wide receiver room. You got a good tight end room. You've got a good running back room. The only thing they need to shore up is the offensive line. Yeah. And I, and I think, They'll address that come the draft. Yeah, I believe so. And you and you have to. You know what I mean? You, you, that's where the battles are won. You know what I mean? Up front. Let's protect the quarterback. Give him time. You know, if he's a mobile guy, um, like like a Derek Carr, I think he has some mobility. Um, he knows when to escape. He knows when to go. But you got to give him time to, to make these passes, make these decisions sometimes. So, yeah, you, you, I, I think all NFL teams – have to get solid up front on both sides of the football. That's where it's one in the trenches. Yeah, there's no question about it. Look, they've got a top five defense. Uh, you know, and you've got playmakers. Garrett Wilson was a great pick by Joe Douglas. Uh, you know, they made, I thought Joe Douglas had a very good draft last year. Incredible. Let me, let me ask you this. Is the pressure on Joe Douglas to come up with a quarterback? Yeah. Oh, oh definitely. Definitely. You know, um, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, they patting him on his back right now to have the offensive and defensive rookie of the year in that last class. But let's get it going. We got to we got to take that next step because, like you said, they have one of the top defenses. They have weapons on offense. Um, what's left? You got to get that done. You got to get that shored up because if you go into next season with Zach and Mike White, yeah, yeah, nah, nah that's a lot of pressure. There's there's some guys out there. You know who knows about Lamar Jackson? What what what's going to happen there? Um, if that's a possibility, um, and I know that's not West Coast offense type quarterback or whatever, but when you have a dynamic personality, a diamond, a dynamic player such as him, you know you alter some things, you work with them to to get the best out of them. But there's some there's some quarterbacks that are out there. I don't think that they're going to come up empty and just have uh, Zach and, and Mike White again. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of pressure for him to get this done because you are so close, man. That was a that was a lot of fun at the end of the season to have the Jets and the Giants in the playoff picture. Something we haven't had in a long time. Both teams in that position. You know, we had some uh, we had some real lean years uh, around here, and now things feel like they're trending upwards, especially with the leadership of both organizations as well. General manager, head coach. I think we 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 feel pretty good about those positions. Um, so the next step is shore up these teams, solid playoff contenders and uh, teams that can go far in the playoffs. Before I let you go, Otis, uh, baseball teams are in spring training right now. Uh, Mets made a lot of moves during the offseason. Uh, it's clear that uh, 
that Cone is, uh, is, is throwing everything against the wall right now. He wants to win a championship. Are they good enough? I think they've got enough talent there to contend. Yeah. Yankees, I, I'm not as sure about the Yankees. Um, but having said all of that, interesting article I read the other day, which 10 writers were surveyed. And in the National League East, six of them picked the Braves. And it surprised me a little bit. But then again, this is February. It is in August. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of hard not to pick the Braves, though. I mean, the, the last couple of years, what, they won it? And then last year they made that great that great charge in the second half um, to, to overcome the Mets, you know, because don't forget, at the All-Star break, you know, both the Mets and Yankees were in great positions. You know, who could have foreseen the right. the the falls that they both had, you know? Um, and then it got interesting. Think about it. The, the Yankees went up until the last, the second to last series of the regular season before they were able to nail down the, the division. And at the halfway point, they were like on, um, well, right before the, the All-Star break, they were on like historic pace. They were incredible. And it was mainly the, the, the Yankees and Mets, top two teams in the major leagues for mo- the majority of the first half. So those collapses in the second half that that made them, and even the Mets, they, they were able to, they had to end up trying to fight for the division against the Braves at the end of the season. I think it was more a testament to how well the Braves were playing in that second half. Um, so I'm not, I'm not surprised that p- teams are, uh, or people are, are picking them, you know, and you have the Phillies that are going to mess around, you know, don't yep. forget where they finished up last season as well. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. The last two years, the Braves have lost Freddie Freeman and this past year they lose Dansby Swanson. I mean, two vital contributors to their team, but their general manager does a hell of a job. They've got nothing but young talent and they've got them locked up for long-term deals. And that's the key, man. You know, um, we've seen that out of, out of or, other organizations, you know, and they've been able to do that and still be contenders, you know, and have bright futures. I mean, that that go that's a testament to that to that front office as well. You know what I mean? That that you're able to do that while still integrating. It seemed like every young player that they called up was a hit. And that's that's catching lightning in a bottle. But it's also going to be sustained because they are good players and they're getting that opportunity to play at a young age and all they're going to do is get better. Okay. So we have my man. Uh, we have um, no, you didn't. And the other thing that Denzel said was you could believe that. <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to have me go back and watch all those movies to find those key phrases, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Again, you can believe that. Yeah, you could believe that. Congratulations. You know, my favorite one is I'm mad. My man. <laughs> well, I'm trying to remember that the the, uh, the the movie um Training Day. Oh, training day. No, not training day, uh, because the Russians really mess him up. Um oh, okay. Well, I'm trying to the one uh, where he plays um well, I guess it was American Gangster. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he comes walking out of jail after serving time yeah. in the penitentiary and he looks lost. <laughs> yeah, man. Frank Frank Lucas. Frank Lucas. It was yeah. a real life, real life. I mean, it's interesting. Interesting. Again, congratulations on the grandchild. Thank uh, you look, so much. Look, look forward to seeing you soon, my friend. Yes, sir. Take care. All the best. Same. It's uh, Otis Livingston, sports anchor of Channel 2 in New York. Does a hell of a job. Thanks to Cornbread Maxwell. 
Thanks to Otis Livingston. Thanks to you for being a part of Howard David Live on Believe. You stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.